0: JROOTRadio.com. That's J R O O T radio.com. And you'll be able to listen to us live that way. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to hear us tonight. Uh, the uh, program tonight is a special one. We have as our guest Mrs. Beth Warren, who's been with us before. She, Mrs. Warren is a dietitian, not a nutritionist. Maybe she's that also. I'm not sure. But she's basically a dietitian. Dietitian is somebody who gives you uh, good ideas based upon your diet. No additives, just your diet. And Mrs. Warren, who has been here before, has written a book, and we're going to hear a little bit about her old book, her new book, a little bit about preparing for the Yom Tov, about healthy uh, opportunities for us for the Yom Tov, and a little bit about children and maybe about school. Mrs. Warren, you there? Mrs. Warren? She's not here. Okay, she will be here hopefully. You don't have the number. One second. Here's the number. If you have to try to no, hello. Yeah, you're there, Mrs. Warren. Yes, okay. yes, I'm here. <laughs> okay, we asked you there. How so, are you? Baruch Hashem. Uh, we we hope that we're going to have a very exciting show. I don't know if we're going to get a lot of callers, but we're definitely going to be able to explain a lot. Oh, of that's things. okay. We could talk. Right, Mrs. Warren. Uh, first of all, I'm going to go uh, maybe out of order. Your, your second book, the one about children, is that pretty far advanced, or what, what are we up to with that?
1: Oh, yeah, we're definitely in advance on that, but it's in the works.
0: It's not finished yet. Uh, nope. we're, we're still writing it, or we are researching it, or what are we doing?
1: We're, we're still writing it, but we're getting a lot of uh, experience with the, with the practice here of guys coming in.
0: So I'd like so. to hear a little bit about some of the things that you've discovered in your preparation for the book. I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, your suggestions for the school year which you had. I I got one of those uh, um, emails about some suggestions for the school year, for the children, and uh, we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, Yomta preparation, because that seems to be a very big problem, I mean, the Simonim that people have on the night of Rosh Hashanah are not very scary, most of those things are uh, pretty much in most people's diet, it's not so scary, but uh, I suppose the eating of all the other foods can make a big difference in our lives.
1: And yes, also the timing of eating is a bigger problem, if anything, and that that's something that everyone should really be cautious about when they're coming into their meals at, let's say, 10.30 at night, or really in my custom, the Sephara custom, it's more like 8 o'clock, 8.30. You know, that's pretty late to take in a, most of your calories, so everyone should really be aware of that coming in and say, you know what, I have six meals of this. You know, you're going in from Wednesday night, where we have six big meals coming up at least, so, you know what, we're going to break it down. I don't need to have the roast and the chicken every single night. You know what, tonight I'll pick my chicken as a protein. Tomorrow night, then I'll have the meat. You, you balance it out because you know another big meal is going to come. We don't have to rush and have everything at the table. We could really take a step back and say, what do I really want tonight? And, of course, I always say to have mostly vegetables on your plate. And especially when you're going to shul to go pray and you're coming home really famished and starving because it's been so long that you've been eating, I really tell people to fuel themselves with those vegetables first before you make a conscious choice of what you want to eat next. So put all those veggies on your plate. Think about what proteins you really want to have. Try to limit the carbs, especially when the challah is involved, and you have to have a certain amount of that. But you mentioned the simanim, and, and it's funny because you could actually use that to your benefit by saying, you know what, let me start to eat something. You know, you're eating something small, and then as you get to the meal, you don't feel as starving. So you could use that to your advantage because, like you said, most of it, um, I mean, different customs have different choices of foods on the plate, but the simanim choices relatively are plant-based, Ideas and that really has a lot of fiber and water content, so it'll start to fill you. And you use that and think about what you really want to have before you have it. So that's very important on the holiday. I'm not sure how you usually have your holiday.
0: No, we. I don't think it's that much different. We all. We also have the. uh, You know, everybody's doing the them today. We were kids Mm -hmm. growing up. Pretty much, uh, it was in our world. It was limited to you dip the apple in the honey. You yeah, but the honey and, and you take a, a, you know the head of the fish or the head of uh, keves. But we that that's basically what we used to have when we were growing up. Today's world, everybody's baruch Hashem is doing all the simonim, and it's a very good thing. People should know that the simonim is not just uh, a joke like lettuce, and raisin and let's and celery. Let us have a raisin salary. It's not it's not a joke. It's a very serious. It's a tefillah. And uh, the Shlach Kaddish speaks very strongly about it. It brought many svarim. And if it's not said as a real tefillah, then the whole thing is not uh, a very important ceremony. It's really the tefillah of the Yihirat zones that count that much. Anyway, as far as uh, going on with the program here, um, now that Shabbos, we're going to be having a lot of Shabbos after Yom Tov, not just on Rosh Hashanah, but in right. the other Yom Tovim. Can you give us some suggestions of how to handle the three-day yumtiff, and maybe prevent right. some cabin fever, too.
1: <laughs> yes, for sure. I mean, that always makes it more difficult from a nutrition perspective, that you're going from heavy meal to heavy meal to heavy meal to heavy meal. Um, what goes along with that, usually, though, is that you're also not moving. So you're going, you're, you're sleeping, you're waking up, you're going to pray, you're going home, you're sitting down going to nap, you know, it's, it's that cycle. You want to try to break that cycle. So when you're going to go to Shul to pray, maybe take a walk around the block before you get there. Or if you're going to a guest, you know, take the longer route. Um, on the, on the cog, you could wheel a stroller. So opt to, you know, do that double stroller and really push with two hands and, and, you know, not, again, not for the purpose of exercise. I mean, that's prohibited, but, just think in your mind to just, you know, take a leisurely, enjoyable walk, and and that helps break it up a little bit. Um, you also would, like I said, when you opt to not have, you know, certain foods at certain times, so you just say, you know what, tonight I don't need to have, um, you know, the two proteins. I could have vegetables like that. The desserts you should also be cautious about. Um, I'm very into people. I, I call it a choice, not a cheat to make a, a conscious choice of which treats you want to have when, um, especially if you know whose houses you're going to or if you're cooking on your own and you're baking certain desserts and you say, you know what, that apple pie I made, that's, that's delicious to me. I'm going to have that one. And when you have it in your mind of what you're going to have, usually you have less um, and, you ha- and you have only that because you went in thinking you're going to have that and you don't have that plus everything else on the table. A lot of times when you restrict yourself too strongly and say, no, 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 this holiday, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to have anything. And you call it good versus bad, and these are bad foods. I can't have these foods. What happens is you take all of a sudden, you're sitting there, you're talking, you take a taste, you take another taste, you take six more tastes. Next thing you know, you should have had that piece of cake because it's a lot better to just eat something and try to avoid it and eat, overeat. So... Um, Try to treat yourself over this holiday since there's so much temptation. There's so many meals. You're going to break at some point, and you want to try to have control over that break instead of it being your downfall for just, okay, that's it, I had it. Um, You know, after the Chag, we do have a couple of days to Yom Kippur, which is a fast day, so, you know, don't I don't wanna think of it like, okay, well now you're not eating, now you've you see all your now you, you you lost your calories again, so we're all even now. I'm not talking about that, maybe we'll do another show on Yom Kippur, but what what happens is that you, you do take that those days. You wake up Sunday morning, it's a fresh new start, you have a great breakfast, and then you go about your day. You drink a lot of water, you get moving, and you just get over the holiday. Because what happens is if you if you take the holiday to mean that you just failed in all your diet efforts and being healthy, then that's going to carry over. And then we have Sukkot coming up. So you want to just try to get yourself back together as quickly as possible because it's never a failure one time, two days. Okay, we have three days here coming up. That's never a failure. It's when you carry that over and you just let it overpower you. And it's really not about the one day. You know, we just have to move forward.
0: Well, can you give us this very, very helpful what you're saying? Well, can you give us a couple of suggestions of desserts that you think we could uh, will be satisfactory to the people with the sweet tooth and the, you know, interested in, in something with a little, little, uh, zip to it, and, and yet it, it won't, uh, since we're having all the other things at this OODA, maybe it won't overpower us. You have some mm-hmm. suggestions?
1: Yes, that's a great question. Um, well, what, what's the most prominent symbolic figure of food going on in this holiday, and it's apples, so, um... Anytime you want to put a fresh fruit in a dish, not only does it help just decrease the calories, add the fiber into it, which helps make you feel full, um, and add a lot of nutrients in it, but it also takes a lot of, it adds a lot of natural sweetness. So I encourage people that when you make, let's say, an apple pie, which would technically be a great choice over the holiday, I personally don't add a lot, a lot, if any sugars to these things. I'll use. One of the recipe actually, is in that book, Living a Real Life with Real Food. It's in my book, um, an apple pie recipe. And basically, when you add cinnamon for flavor, it kind of tricks your taste buds a little bit that you're having something sweet, and it actually helps with your blood sugar. So it's a great choice to add a little bit more flavor without adding a sweetener. And using those apples more as your base of the sweetness and, and valuing their you know, natural sweetness as opposed to adding so much. If you did have to add a sugar, um, they do um, I don't know what the best is is sort of it's hard to say what the best is. It depends on people's tolerance. Um, if you want to go with the apple and honey theme that that goes with the theme of the holiday, so at least you could rationalize that. I find that aside from having just natural nutrients in the honey, some people even like to use something called raw honey, which comes more solid and it melts into the foods and it has it's not pasteurized, so it has other nutrient properties in it. Um, you could do that. I find that honey is much sweeter than sugar, so you might not need to use as much of it. Um, so that could be an idea if you have in your mind to not use, not need so, to put so much more added sweeteners. So you want to try to identify the sweet ingredient that you're going to use that you need the least of. So agave syrup, a lot of people like to use. Agave um, it doesn't have the same effect on blood sugar, even though it's because it's made out of fructose which is a different chemical composition of sugar. And because of that, um, it doesn't spike your sugar as much. Now, you have to be conscious that you're not adding tons of this stuff because it still isn't added sugar. But because these things are sweeter than sugar, the rationale is you won't need as much. So as long as you go with that headset in mind to, to use these things as an alternative but not as much, it's a little bit better. But I really try to encourage people, I really tell them that when you get used to not adding so much sweet, you stop needing so much sweet. And then when you have a natural fruit sugar, it's great. And of course, in a meal, sticking to fresh fruit is ideal, you know, anything like that. People like to make oatmeal-based cookies and oatmeal is a whole grain, so it's a little bit easier for people to, it's more palatable than, let's say, a whole wheat flour, which some people might have a... You know, it doesn't do it for them in a cookie. So, oatmeal cookies, again, with, with that sweetness in mind of not adding so much. Or, um, you could add, let's say, you could have like a date. People like to make these date balls now where they put dates in a food processor with, let's say, almonds or walnuts. Sometimes add a little bit of vanilla and they make these little round shaped balls and they call them, um, a, tri- a truffle. So, you could freeze them and those little things go a long way. Um, finding what else? Yeah, that's it. But, again, it, even if it is something that you really wanted to have, I would try to save it for one night of the Chag instead of saying, okay, I'm going to have this the first night. You know, you want to try to use your willpower as long as you can. So you say, you know what, Friday night. I'll have it Friday night. I'll have it Shabbat. It'll be my Shabbat thing. So you push it off, push it off, and push it off. And guess what? By Friday night, most people are really, really busting. So you might not even end up wanting to have that dessert. So, you know, even if you did, you know that, that it was really you were really mindful about it, and it was a conscious choice. And if you didn't, that's all, that's all more of the power to you. It's great. So. I,
0: I enjoyed very much the idea that you said before. It's very good that uh, when it comes uh, after the Yom Tov, not to fall into the trap of saying, I've, I've killed my uh, diet, but that actually to say that uh, I'm starting again. And usually I see myself in, in the course of the week that uh, uh, things fluctuate. That Shabbos we give in more than we should, but we do a certain amount, and then the rest of the week uh, we get back to ourselves. So it does really work if you if you stick to it and if you don't give up. That's the main the main point. Right. I, I tell you, I, uh, I I Mrs. Warren, I feel very frustrated because I go and I see so many people who are so overweight that it, it's 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 unbelievable, and they. Uh, they're conscious of it, but they don't feel that they can do anything about it because they feel that it's, well, that's me, and this. Uh, they have all kinds of excuses. And it's very, very hard. I, I very often recommend that they go to a dietitian, and I give out a couple of names, yourself included. And uh, people, you know, some people do take me up on it, but most don't. I, can you give us a little bit about, uh, you know, how... A person should approach this idea of going to a dietitian. First of all, let me just mention your book. I didn't remember you mentioned by name. You'll, you'll tell us, give us the name, give us a little bit about the book, just for a second or two, and then tell us a little bit about what it is to go to a dietitian, which of course you do. People come to you, they you uh, you help them, and uh, that's uh, you know that's your that's your panossa. And really, a lot of people could avail themselves of dietitians. And there's so many wonderful people around, and you see that uh, Mrs. Warren has a lot of information. And my experience with dietitians is that they don't have you coming for 10 years. It's just a, a visit or two, and if there's a problem, so you come back for occasionally a, con- a consult. But it's not something where you know, you're taking a shot every week. You know, it's not Weight Watchers. It's something that uh, you're getting a little guidance, and if you utilize it, you're on your own. So right. maybe tell start, let's start off with the name of the book. And see, I, I used up all my copies. <laughs> I, oh. I, Baruch Hashem, quite a few people responded, and they got the book from me. Um, oh, I'm just God. as happy yeah. they get it from you, or uh, if I have a surge of requests, and of course I'll carry the book again. But right now, they can get it from your website, and yes. the story, so tell us a little bit about the book
1: yes um, well the book is called living a real life with real food how to get healthy lose weight and stay energized the kosher way and what i did is it's basically my nutrition strategy of how to get people healthy um, and also to lose weight but i i educate people that what's going on in our lives is not necessarily only about weight it's all these other issues you're not sleeping well you're not feeling good you now have low energy um, and then weight always comes secondary. So when you just get your life of living a real life with real foods, I call it, when you just try to have less processed foods um, more often and eat a certain way that I describe in the book, um, you will lose weight, but you'll also feel a lot better and you'll feel healthy, which is really the ultimate goal. Um, I, I It's called the kosher way because I really used my upbringing just in the kosher in the kosher world to show that, a lot of the kosher behaviors we use, let's say to look for a hex share on a product or, um, you know, not having milk and meat and use that kind of discipline to, to be healthier. Because a lot of times we don't, we don't match the two. We could be kosher but not eat healthy. And, and I, I show how you could be kosher and use that to be healthy. Um, and I also the some meal plan ideas and recipes that are just things that I have from my Ashkenazic ancestry and my Sephardic. Um, background, so um, I give some things like that, and you can look at the website, com, and there's a link for the book, um, and it really it gives a lot education about background, and I also use some, like, Talmudic and Halakhic and little things, anecdotes in there to make it interesting. Um, and now, for your next question... Let me, uh, let
0: me just say a word, because I, I really did enjoy the book. Uh, the person, her name is Beth, B-E-T-H, Warren W A R R E N, and it's Beth Warren at what's the how does it go? Beth Warren,
1: Beth Warren nutrition nutrition. Dot com
0: nutrition.com. I I I personally enjoyed a lot of the parts of the book. I like the fact that you did stick a lot of Yiddishkeit into it. I was very happy with that. Most people don't do that, and I also enjoyed very much the list of desserts. uh, uh, No, I'm sorry, the snacks that you have, which is an extensive list, a lot of good recommendations. There's there's stuff in there that any person could gain a lot from, and it it's really a self-help book. You don't really have to. uh, If you don't want to avail yourself of of a dietitian, you know, fine. Uh, if you want to avail yourself of a dietitian, so they just help you. I, I want to share with you one more thing before you go on with anything else. People see me eating uh, breakfast sometimes, and they come over to me and they say, "You know, uh, I see you are eating healthy foods." You know, I said, "I said it's it's not it's not a maserus nefesh. I enjoy it. The foods that I prepare in the mornings that we have in the mornings are are, are uh, it's so tasty, and so interesting that I love it." And that's what you have to do. When you, it, it, it's not, it, you're not, uh, you're not uh, eating all those vegetables, and the, you have to eat the vegetables. You have to choose about the way to put the vegetables together that you'll enjoy it. It's not a, you know, uh, it's not, a, it's not something which is a, a must do. I have to. It's a problem. I must take care of it. It's something that we really. It's an opportunity, if we utilize it properly. So I, I, I interrupted you. Now, where were you up to?
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, um, the next thing you want to know is just about a dietitian and, and what it's yeah, like. Yeah, I
0: really be- want to understand that because a lot of people probably have uh, a confused idea what it means uh, to have a dietician, go to a dietitian. To
1: Right. Well, just in terms of the credential, a registered dietitian has um, not only experience just working in a variety of settings, let's say a clinical setting in a hospital, um, nursing homes, you know, uh, in in all different settings, so it gives them the experience area of it all, but there's also a lot of education that they must get, um, an accredited program um, and, and an exam that you have to take. And then I also have my Master's of Science, which is another thing that people could get. So you have to get a Master's, like when you go for any Master's program in nutrition, so you just get more education into the biochemistry of the body. So what happens with the food once you eat it? You know, a lot of people could read on the Internet or go on all this social media and stuff and see all fun things people are writing about food um, have this because this has antioxidants. But what does that mean? What happens once these things go in your body? So a registered dietitian, um, and especially someone with their Master's, would have that background of, as to what happens to a food once it comes inside you, and that's really important because, like I said, the ultimate goal is to make you healthier. Everybody could cut down their calories and lose weight, but does that make you any healthier? Does that make it less? Does that make it long term? I'm very interested in people's blood work when they come. We know how to read blood work. We we work with the doctors, so we try to we have goals of what we want your numbers to be, um, whether that's numbers on the scale or number numbers on the blood work. You know, it's all related. This is about your body as a whole. It's not about your belly. You know, we wanna look wanna make you as a whole a better a better you. So um we have the background to do that. Now you mentioned something that was interesting that I see all the time when people feel helpless helpless because they're overweight. They're like why don't they, you know, you get confused, it's especially the way you're making it sound, Rabbi, with you know, why why wouldn't they want to change? Like they're overweight. Why don't they do something about it? And the truth is is A a lot of people do blame it on genetics, and genetic is a huge component, but it's nature versus nurture. So, you know, and Hashem gives us the, the, the will. So if we put our effort into it, anybody could change. Now, to some people, you're right, it's more difficult. They have to pay more attention to it. They have to be a little bit more perfect. They have to be a little more strict than their friend. And this, I have a conversation with children all the time. Because when children come in here and some of them get emotional and why am I having to eat like this and my friend's not eating like this, this comes up all the time. Oh, it's a big
0: problem, a big problem. Yes. We had we had a, uh, one of our first shows on nutrition, we had a, a young man call in, he was about a 13, 14-year-old boy, and it's one of the saddest, the saddest call that I ever got, it was the one that I felt the worst about, that I couldn't, do something immediately. I I told him to call me and he didn't and that's till this day I feel bad about it. The boy was like about 13, 14 years old and he had a weight problem. I don't know exactly how bad but obviously was serious and he talked about the suffering that he had when he watched his friends eating the carbs at at the meals and he had to eat this restricted diet and it was it was literally killing him. Yeah, It is frustrating if that's what you're up to but the truth of the matter is he's, he's a young boy, and if he ever overcomes his problem, he's got a full life ahead of him, and he'll uh, enjoy it very much. Right, Obviously, he, won't enjoy his, he wouldn't enjoy the life if he's going to be almost incapacitated from his weight problem.
1: Right, but the social aspects, especially with children, adults as well, but with children especially, is a huge factor to involve. That's why I get so nervous personally when I hear parents bringing their, these children to, to certain diets People, whatever you want to call them, and it has, it's so, it's not only about the food, forget about that. You have so much social components that you have to consider. Now, if the child was here, when they're getting all emotional and worked up like that, why me, why this, why that, you know, the, the, the conversation stops being about the food for a minute, and you have to take control of, of what's going on in the situation. So I would take a step back and say, you know, let's say his name is Chaim, like, Chaim, what do you love about yourself? You know, a lot of times what people struggle with the most, you know, they, they get really hung up on that. But you take a step back and say, but what do you love about yourself? Uh, they look at you like you're crazy. But are, are you a good friend? You know, do you like to listen? Do you, do you, um, you know, any, anything else that they could be good at that's not physical. That's not physical. Um, and you, you play with it. They say, well, you're a great friend. So, so, so Tommy next to you, he, yeah. He might be not struggling with his weight, but maybe he's struggling in school. And are you? And he, this boy could say, could have told you that he's smart. He gets straight A's. Okay, well that's your strength. You you get straight A's. That's amazing. And Tommy, he might wish that he wants to get straight A's. He might go home every night being upset because he's not getting straight A's, but you're getting straight A's. You know, everybody has their strengths. And if someone, you know, in our religion, we have Hashem, and I love when we have Hashem to talk about because we say. You know, Hashem gives everybody the, the things that they need to work on. You know, Hashem gives everybody their challenges, and what's a challenge for you might not be a challenge for the person sitting next to you. And your challenge, because you have to validate them, they, they they do know they have a weight problem, they do know they struggle with weight. So you say, your struggle, you're telling me your struggle is with your food and with weight. So that's that's something that you could work on to be better at. We all could do something about the challenges that Hashem gives us and, and we could all work on it, but for what you have to work on might not be what somebody else has to work on. And then they say, oh, you know what? Okay, this is my thing. You know, this is my thing. And they get more comfortable with it. Now, what you do with a dietitian, which goes into our whole conversation, first of all, we know how to have that conversation, which is something entirely different. And, and second of all is then the, you teach them how. You teach them how to, to control this. How to, how to make this a part of their life so they don't feel so alienated. So they feel like they could go to a birthday party with their friends and have a piece of cake and understand what's around the cake so it's not the worst choice for them. And it's not about telling them, well, don't have that cake today. You know, everybody, every child needs a balance. And if you just teach them what other foods to have on their plate, that certain foods are, are, are once-in-a-while foods, not everyday foods, um, when you're with your friends, what, what kind of choice could you make? Here we like to make, like, little mock buffets of, like, we'll little toy foods out And, like, how would you make your plate if these were all your options? So, you know, for a child also, they don't have control over themselves making their foods every day. You know, they, they, they have whatever mommy makes for dinner or whatever their aunt's making on the holiday. And they have to learn that, well, okay, first thing, where's the veggies? Oh, there's string beans? Okay, so that's what I'm going to have to have. I'm going to have the string beans to start making me feel full. I'm going to have the, the, the chicken. I'm going to have this. And then for the dessert, you say, okay, pick one, pick one, leave it simple. Um, but, you know, going back to the original question, so, uh, you know, a dietitian would would understand how to have that conversation and the other aspects involved in getting someone to to be at a healthy weight because hardly, uh, I mean, how many times a day do people walk in saying, I know what to do, I just don't do it, or I don't know why I'm this weight, I just, I don't eat anything all day. Like, they think that's why, you know, that that's just as bad. Um you know, there's things like that going on. So, so there has to be more than just the conversation about the food. There has to be like, why isn't this working for you? And a dietitian's able to cater meal plans and cater the conversation into where that person needs to address in order to make effective long-term changes. Now, you, you mentioned something about people getting, like, upset or, 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 you know, they're not seeing results or whatever it is. You want to think long-term. It's about being consistent. It's not about being, like, even if you have a bad day, overall, is your week pretty good? Then that's what matters. 80 to 90% of the time you're doing well and you have your Shabbat on the weekend and you have a piece of cake, that's fine. You have to think long-term. You can't let one day bring you down because this is your life. It's your whole life. It's not your next six months, you know, and then you see those people who will gain it back in six months. So you don't want to do anything extreme. You really want to learn how to eat and then a dietitian's office helps you do that
0: Mrs. Warren thank you very much I, this I just to people just tuned in this is uh, Rabbi Wickler I'm Yosef Wickler Kashras magazine editor and our show is uh, Kashmas on the air and our guest tonight is Beth Warren who is a uh, dietitian and uh, who has the book. Again, the name of the book is Real... I don't have it in front of me. What is it again?
1: Right. Living a Real Life with Real
0: Food. Living a Real Life with Real Food, and we're looking forward to the second book to come out in somewhere in the near future. But before we go on, uh, I'm going to just uh, say a word about our sponsor, which is Glottmark. And if anybody would like to call in, our call-in numbers are 718 683 You can discuss any of your issues with Mrs. Warren, again, 718-683-5858, or you can text us at 347-927-8398. The text number again, 347-927-8398, and the call in number, 718-683-5858, and you can ask Mrs. Warren any questions about uh, your own issues involving Diet, or some suggest, or some issues regarding children, which is a, a, a partial of our specialty, and um, also we were interested in discussing about yeshivas, what they could be doing to improve the situation of the food that's being served there, etc. So there's a lot of issues. If you'd like to call in, again seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. But before that, I'd like to say a word about Glotmart, which is conveniently located at twelve oh five Avenue M. When I think of Glotmart, I think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money while shopping at Glotmart. Their weekly specials coming up from September 24th to September 30th include the following. Green's Honey Cake, $2.89. Glick's Apple Sauce, 50 ounce, $2.39. Bloom's Pretzels, 1 ounce. Six for one dollar. Amnon's Pizza, that's eight slices, seven dollars and 39 cents. Norman's Yogurt Poppers for the 5.3 ounce, 99 cents. And at Glotmart, you also have a convenient arrangement by taking, uh, uh, t- taking advantage of their valet parking service. Just pull into Glottmart from the 12th St- East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all the special items you purchase in the store. And at Glattmart the quality of the meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Nevada Kashrus of Flatbush, with base Yosef Meats and with expert Nikor at Glattmart, you're getting quality Kashrus. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, Tell him you heard about Glottmart on Kashrus on the air over J Root Radio. And without further ado, I'm going to return to uh, Mrs. Beth Warren, our guest, and we're going to continue our discussion in the area of diet. Mrs. Warren, I, one of the things that I was interested in our previous discussions, and I see that you're writing this book, can you share with us some of the uh, issues that you've uncovered over the years, uh, some of the um, more uh, interesting stories uh, that you've had with children? I mean, or with adults, if you want. But I, I'd like to hear some, like, more personal stories, like this person came, this was the issue, and, and this was a problem, we o- overcame it, and how we overcame it.
1: Right. Well, something that recently happened um, that I want a lot of... They, I actually start the book this way, explaining that a lot of times, you know, parents come in with, with their child, or they'll speak to me first about it, and they'll they'll think something's wrong with their child. They'll say... She just doesn't stop thinking about food. She just doesn't stop thinking about food. She doesn't. She wants to know what she's going to eat next. She sees the food and she devours it really fast. Like they, should, they think there's something wrong. And and I actually spent the beginning part of the, the the book explaining that this is me. I always loved food. People think as a nutritionist you hate food. It's the opposite. You're in this industry because you love food and you want to teach people how to eat the food. And what happened was is that um, because you have to recognize, you know, that there's nothing wrong with your child and that loving food is really a part of them, they love food. And, and, and acknowledging, like, just like certain children love to do sports and certain children love, you know, to, to love school or whatever it is, they love their food. They love to know what meal they're going to have next. And when they come to it, um, when, when, as long as a parent recognizes that, okay, my, my, my child, there's nothing wrong with my child, you just come to love that about them, and, you, and when a child doesn't feel like they're doing something wrong by loving it, and when you acknowledge that it's a part of them, that's a very big thing, because when a child feels like they're doing something wrong, why, wait, why, why do I love food like this? Then it becomes a control thing, like, why can't I control myself around food? Why is it all about food? And then they start second-guessing themselves, and then they think there's something wrong with them, and there's nothing wrong with them. They love food, and, and you just have to teach them how to eat it, and that's why when people come in... Here that that they learn now. Why do I bring this up? Because recently, what happened is they're gonna. These kids are gonna always be thinking about food. They're gonna always value, you know, their times to eat. They're gonna they're gonna want to know what they're having next. They're gonna look forward to it, and it's gonna be like the best thing they ever did, and and that's great. And when a child's sitting here, how I explain to children, to this, especially this this child was six years old, so she comes to me, and I was explaining to her, um, like I do all children, is that. To break it down very simply, you pick one munchy snack a day and one fruit vegetable snack a day. So that's your school day. You have two choices of a snack. One could be, a, I call it a munchy snack. One could be fruits and vegetables. Um, just to put it very simple, this is six years old. So, what happened, this girl, her parents both work, and sometimes she would stay at a grandma's house for the day, sometimes she would be with the father all day, and sometimes she would be with the mother all day, and they all packed her lunch on the various days. Now, we were talking about, you know, what, how that day went and, and what she ate that day and how, you know, what she packed for lunch. She said, oh, her grandma gave her Oreo cookies. Oh, okay, great. You know, again, you move on. You don't, you don't focus on these things. This is a child, and that was her choice of a munchy snack. She had three Oreos. Okay, great. Grandma was watching her that day, and grandma packed her three Oreos. And she was going on about her day, and then she says okay, and, and later I want to have my ice cream. Now, remember, I just said that we learn here to have one munchie snack a day and one fruits and vegetable snack a day. And the second it came out of her mouth about the ice cream, she realized on her own because she's been coming here that, oh, no, I had the cookies. So this girl, poor six-year-old, really broke down and started crying. Now, remember I just told you, food for these kids is a part of them. This is what they look forward to when she realized that, she already had her munchy snack. This could have been couldn't have been more worse news for her that she shouldn't be having the ice cream later. So she started hysterical crying, very very upset. Now, it was really heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to watch. She just it was the end of the world for her. So, in the end, I said, "Okay, we have to all calm down here." You know, when mommy's leaving now, with the child, I just, now the child, all she comes is cry. You know, I have to we have to fix the situation. So we all took a deep breath. Um, I always get them to take a deep breath. I ask, why is she upset? You know, and she says she wants her ice cream, she wants her ice cream, she wants her ice cream, going on and on. Now, what happened was we got her to calm down, and um, I explained, and she knows. She knows already that she had the cookie. She shouldn't be having the ice cream. Now, what we did was we just, again, she's six years old, moved away from the situation because she was very upset, it wouldn't have helped at that, that specific situation, but what we took from that is we discussed what kind of snack options we can ask Grandma to pack for us so that when we come home next time we could have something like ice cream. So we said, you know what, maybe it will be a good idea to ask Grandma, and we wrote down together some options of a snack she could, she could ask Grandma to give. So she's going to go back to what Grandma. Were,
0: what was, were they, Mrs. Warren? Let's hear some suggestions.
1: No, So it would be because she has her munchie snack leader, she was really uh, in the more food-oriented snacks. So, again, that could be fruits and vegetables, just simple. It could be little um, Sabra hummuses. make uh, little snack-sized hummuses. now. It could be carrots in the hummus. They also now, Sabra, started making the little guacamole packs. <laughs> like, like, I guess they're about 100-calorie guacamole packs, and you could dip carrots or cucumbers in that. That's another real food snack. Um, she, she didn't happen to go to yeshiva, but a lot of these shivas are not free, so that, unfortunately, takes a lot of the like, good proteins out of the mix. But in her situation, she could do an apple and peanut butter, um, or have some nuts as a snack. Um, then you could also do, let's say, a light um, cheese stick. Now, Halal makes the light cheese sticks as a snack. I like the yogurt sticks. They don't come in Halal visa although they only have like a Chobani yogurt stick or a Stonyfeld yogurt stick. Um, those are a great option. It's it's sweet and it's um, has protein in it, so kids feel like they're having something more munchy. But it's a sweet. Um, But in terms of those once-in-a-while foods, like I said, like ice cream or cookies, um, if they're going to have that, it definitely could only be once a day. So whether they want to have that later or they want to have that in school, that's their choice to make. And that's another important thing with kids that I find. You have to give them a choice. You can't say you can't eat this, you can't eat this. You just lay out the choices. We can can have cookies, but we have to choose when we're going to eat them. So... When you don't feel like that you're taking their food away from them, which really is heartbreaking, like I said, when they feel like you're taking their food away from them, then they become more open and susceptible to trying to eat healthier, because they know if they really wanted it, they could have it. I have a funny story, I tell people. This is actually with an adult who was coming with her child. Now
0: before you go on to that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about this girl. What, what, what kind of a problem did she have six, at six years old?
1: Uh-huh. Well, she, had, she, she was, she was, clin- yes, great question. She was clinically obese, um, and she also, her blood work was showing um, high triglycerides, and her blood sugar was borderline. So uh. it was also a medical, aside from just a weight issue, which people like to look on the outside, like I said, there was medical um, issues on the blood work that was, set, that was telling us, okay, we need to make changes now. You know um, a lot of parents are afraid to bring young kids in. They feel like you know i don 't want to give them the complex i don't want them to make them think about this um, and they and they what 's incorrect in the way they 're thinking is that they're going to do something to make their child think this way when Meanwhile, this child is going out in her classroom, and like you mentioned that thirteen fourteen year old boy, these children feel it on their own already. they see the children around them, they know about sizes, they may be getting bullied in school, they may be getting called fat, and the worst thing when you're getting bullied or teased about something is feeling like you can't do anything about this. Like, oh, I know I'm fat, okay, now I'm, I'm depressed, I'm unhappy, and everything in my life is affected by this. But when you, give, when you empower them with telling them, no, this, you can do, you, you can, as long as you know you're eating healthy, you're doing the right thing for yourself. You're, you're healthy. And and in, encouraging them by teaching them how to be healthy makes them feel like they're doing something about this. And when they feel like, oh, I don't care that he's telling me that. I know. I know. I got this. I know. I'm doing something about this. You're giving them the tools they need to feel confident. And and you know, I, I always encourage parents not to feel like if you're going to the right, appropriate people. I mean, you know, forget about me. I mean, we do specialize in pediatrics. But when you're if you're going to a, a Someone who's very conscious, and I stress that, cognizant of all the social aspects and emotional aspects of dealing with children with weight issues, then you're okay. If you're dealing, if you're going to someone who's just teaching them what foods not to eat, how foods are bad, or um, you know how, you're going on a diet and this is the rest of your life, then that's a big problem. Then that's for sure setting them up for weight issues as they get older. But when you're when you're teaching them in the right ways. I mean, there's moms that always come to me, you know, struggling with whether or not they should bring them in, and they're usually much happier about it because it plants an awareness in their mind, and when they're just aware, then it, it goes a long way.
0: Mrs. Warren, sense. let me ask you this. I, 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 I'm I wondering, how can you give us some idea how to identify the problem that, you know, the, the, how, how would the person... Unless you took the blood work, how would you know that this child is, you know, it's is beyond and has to go in for for some some heavy duty uh, diet counseling? I I just saw recently a boy came back from the summer. I saw he lost either lost 20 pounds or he, he, maybe he grew an inch or two, whatever it is. But he looked completely different, like transformed. Now a lot of kids will lose that weight it's the baby fat so mm. and all the mothers are saying that my kid is this is just baby fat how should a mother or also a teacher identify how would you identify that we have potentially a problem here
1: right that's a great question because a lot of the things that you were saying means that people are focusing solely on the outside and it's not always an indicator of them just being healthy. And there are parents that come to me and say, I just watched the way my kid eats. I see what he eats. I see how he eats. And I know that he needs to learn how to eat. Now, what you could watch for instead of just watching their weight, weight is only part of the story. Instead of only watching for the weight, you could um, watch just the behaviors involved in eating. So people will come to me and say, my son eats so fast, he just eats so fast and he takes more and more and more because he eats so fast and I say okay well he needs to learn the signs of feeling hunger and uh, hunger and fullness when you feel hungry we eat when we, when we start to feel satisfied we stop eating when we feel full we're definitely done eating and when we feel stuffed then we did something wrong you know we have to understand those hunger and fullness cues or they could tell me and I see this with my own eyes you know for, as a, at a, a guest places or in a shul where uh, there's a kiddush and things like that you see kids coming and picking at the table and picking at the table and picking at the table and they're coming back and picking something off the table and picking something off the table. You know, again, that child would need to learn that when we, eat, when we need to eat, we, we sit and eat. We sit and eat. We don't pick. We don't pick off the table. These kinds of habits are, some, are, are the things that follow them into adulthood. And when you, when you pinpoint habits, that's what you could work with. You can't give them pressure to be skinny. I mean, uh, most of the time, you're not interested in a child losing weight per se. You need to teach them the habits so that they could carry those over so that when they're then adults, then you could be assured that they lose that baby fat because you know they will because they understand how to eat. To a certain extent, Rabbi, it's correct what you're saying. You know, around that puberty time, they will get a little more chubby. They will store fat a little more, and then they do start growing. And you want to be on top of that. You want to be sure that when they grow, yes, they will, in fact, you know, lose that weight or, or become more proportional or whatever it is. It's those behaviors that you need to look out for. If they have these certain behaviors in place that are, you see that they overeat, you see that they just browse, you know, graze in the kitchen and just grab in the refrigerator and you know they just ate dinner and they're not hungry, those kinds of things are the things that you need to work with because then you, then the weight, like I said, the weight's always secondary. If you see that they're eating properly, in the right times, in the right way, and they're, they're stopping when they're full, they don't feel like they need to finish their whole plate, or they're not having six desserts, then 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 you're fine. Then you're so fine. So really, really,
0: Mrs. Warren, it's not a matter of uh, playing catch up and trying to uh, to get them to lose the weight. Really, what we should be doing is talking to is is educating them about choices about. Uh, about understanding about the different kinds of foods, which I've seen little kids. I have, I have one child who's raising their children, and, and, and those kids, you know, talk about, you know, the different parts of the f- food system, you know, whether this, this is a veggie and this is a protein and this is a carb. I mean, they seem to identify it, and if they identify it at a young age, and then you can talk to them intelligently a little bit, they'll, they'll internalize it, and, and life will get good. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. I, I I think really between you and I, I think more of it should be done in yeshiva, because I in the English department teaching about uh, a diet and nutrition would be would be very crucial. You know, we so we study so much there. Uh, and they spend so much time, especially even in the English department. Always, right, so you have to learn math, and you have to learn science, and you have to learn this. And then, if you go into the high school, you have to learn all the things for the for the Regents degree, and then and then you then later on something else. I understand all that education, but it seems to me that nutrition should be something that's taught in the yeshivas. And the people who are listening to JRU right now could ask the yeshivas that they talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a huge issue, and and that's something I get emails about from people who aren't even my patients, a mother is just saying, "Can't you say something to the schools? Can't you do something for these schools?" Also, you know, when it was camp time, same issue. Um, well, it's do a they big come problem. to
0: you, Mrs. Warren? Do to the, to the schools and the uh, camps?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you have to tread lightly. You know, you have to. It. it you could deal. Like, let's say I'm dealing with someone specific and a patient, and I get their permission to to say, okay. You know, it, well, in certain schools, you can't bring lunch from home. Right. We could try to get permission, but what they do is they'll alienate the child and put them in the nurse's office so they could eat their lunch there. And I don't think that's fair. So no, I mean,
0: I meant, do you do you have a chance ever to speak to the schools and say, you know, we we need some nutritional counseling in the school?
1: Well. Some schools like have sessions, like certain workshops that they try to do in schools. Um, I would love them to do it more. I mean, I'm I always say I'm available to go to these schools. I mean, in my my children's school, Shaday Torah, and they had a huge health fair that I organized, and that was amazing. And the kids were very into it. And we had snacks that they brought home, and and um, to show their mom because the theme was snack, like healthier snacking.
0: When you have a chance, you sit down and write that up and send it to. Me at kashrusmag kash, at AOL.com. You know the you know the email address. Send me that. I'd love to see a write up about that. that will will publish it, and I think maybe schools will start thinking about such projects. It it yeah. seems to me that we're we're way behind the rest of the world when it comes to nutrition.
1: I I just jump in. I'm sorry. It's Nissim. I'm just jumping. No. Last Thursday we had a program with. Uh Gruber, Neutral Supreme. And we beg the schools. I'm telling you, as a parents, I think first of all with the parents, we have to talk with the schools about how to run the kitchen over there and how to, you know, because I I've got the feeling that they are poisoning our kids. Oh, if it's I'm telling see. you, it's okay. I'm I am do I'm saying it's you know it's Michol with Navy. No, the pudding is maybe they something.
0: Not know, to it's do it's,
1: that. it's I tell you it's tell, maybe it's a word, uh, harsh wording, but you know when a teacher gives incentive to the kids as a soda and, and candies right. and stuff like this or danishes, I think it's not fair to the kids and it's not fair definitely for the parents. And There should be certain standard things. Like, it's standard to always have a vegetable at lunch. That's just standard. It doesn't mean pickles, it doesn't mean corn all the time, and it doesn't mean always mean potatoes. We It should be standard that you should always have vegetables. Sometimes yeah. then they'll say, oh yeah, sometimes my school has vegetables, sometimes they don't. It should be. Something should be standard. It should be standard that soda is not allowed in the, in the school. It should be standard that Rebbe shouldn't give out a snack, uh, a taffy for a right answer. I mean, these things shouldn't, shouldn't be the standard. So we have to change those standards, and then you'll come a long way. You know, that certain things just just shouldn't be done. We should, we get stickers. We go to the dollar store instead of the ice cream store. You know, there's there certain things that we could change. Like I mean. The, It's it's the using food as a reward is also a big problem in the schools and and then kids view these food as like these tantalizing like wow you know I'm gonna get a taffy and and it shouldn't be like that it should be just a normal day to day thing and um it should get more prize oriented there's a lot you could do in schools and if they just did one thing it'll be great and yeah I mean we just have to make a change for sure.
0: I, I I just I'm with you, I, I wish we can do it. so I, I'm going to ask you to try to send me some we' try communicating, maybe to put something together that will be helpful to the schools. I actually had uh, on the show here, there was a booklet that um, was uh, almost a hundred pages. It came from Chicago. Uh, the community over there had a number of yeshivas together, and they put together a booklet uh, on uh, nutrition for the Yeshivas. For the yeshivas and for the parents, basically for the yeshivas, and I tried to popularize it. I sent a number of copies out, and I asked everybody to go to the yeshiva that they're associated with and give it to the school. It's a hundred pages. It's, I mean, I I sent them an email, so it's it's not a big deal. They just take the email and forward it to the school, you know. <laughs> and I, no, nobody ever got back to me. Unfortunately, we haven't been proactive enough about this. It, comments, uh, and that's why not, I keep yeah. doing it on these shows mentioning it again and again because yeah. it just takes one person in a school to change it. Uh, right. The gentleman who was here first when we first did the first shows, I think the second show actually about diet and nutrition, which we had um, we, we call it kosher diet and nutrition, uh, we, we had a gentleman Mr. Gross, and he did discuss things that he successfully changed in one of the schools. He got them to take out certain things from the vending machines. He got them to put to, to get rid of some of the uh, uh, things that would be uh, inappropriate for uh, for a lot of the kids. And, and he, he he actually did change a couple of things in that school. And he's just a of boss, just a regular a parent or whatever. Yeah, we could do a lot, and we need that uh, the the listeners take it to heart, go to the schools, and just say this is available. Just like I'm saying today, that uh, dietitians are available to help people who are overweight, and, it, uh, and that's the simple message that I'm trying to get across. you're giving much more, Mrs. Warren, but that's that's sort of the basics. And when you talked about as far as the children. That was really very, very seriously, uh, it's a little scary to think of a six-year-old who has such serious problems that are identified that they have to go for serious counseling uh, at that age. Uh, but it's a wonderful thing that the parent or the, or the doctor realized it. And, yes,
1: uh, well, a lot more doctors are becoming attuned to it, well, I have to say. I have to give props to them because... You know, we are getting more doctor referrals um, at a young age that, you know, they're recognizing uh, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them are recognizing that, you know, we do you do need to learn the skills to make these changes because it is a priority. And that's the same thing with the schools. They're not viewing this as a priority. You know, this is a priority. You have these children in your responsibility for more hours than they're at home during the year, and that's your responsibility to keep them healthy. And when kids don't even have gym every day, and then, uh, you know, when the winter comes, they're not playing outside anymore. Some kids just sit by their desk when they have a break. I mean, you know, you got to get them moving. You got to get them, you know, you got to take care of them. And that's part of taking care of them.
0: Very important. Uh, it's, it's something that uh, we have as a community a responsibility. And something that, uh, uh, as I said, any individual who has some strength and some power and some connections with different yeshivas he can get involved. But let me ask you this. I'm in a delicate position, and uh, maybe you can give me a suggestion, because we only have another minute. I see somebody. Let's say I see somebody who is seriously overweight, and I mean seriously overweight, Uh, or I see a child who I have seen and I observed some of the behavior that you're talking about, whether I'm a teacher or whether I'm just somebody watching, and I, I, I feel there's an issue here. What should I say? to that person, the adult, what should I say to that parent?
1: That's a very tough call. It really is. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> but I have it I, every day. I no, really have it every day. My,
1: no, imagine my shoes walking around in the world. But what happens is, is that if someone's not motivated to change, whether you tell them or not, they're not going to change. Um, I have even wives who bring their husbands in who aren't motivated to change, and then it does nothing. So what I would tell you, um, especially if you're close with these people, is you look for that opening. You look for that time of that they they kind of mention something. They kind of mention like, oh, maybe I should start watching myself. Or they mention like, oh, I wonder what a better choice of peanut butter would be. Or you know, oh, I look at, at at Avi. He lost so much weight. Look for that opening that you could start the conversation. Because if you're just coming in and say, look, yo, you have this problem. Maybe you should go see someone. And here's her number they're going to be like, they might even get turned more off because also, like we said, everybody feels it. So they might go home that night and be like, why me? Why am I like this? I'm embarrassed. You don't it's, want that. It's an easy way but for me I, to I lose friends. You look, for the, you look for the opening and you just, you know, try to ha- start the conversation and let that lead them into saying, maybe I, I'm ready to do something about this now or, you know, something what like about that. It,
0: what about, about as far as a child? If you go, could, you go to a, could you go to a parent? and say i observe certain behavior i'm familiar with it in other words it, we have yeah, this situation so with
1: family as a family um, i would never do it in front of the child ever. Well. right uh, i would i would if they if they're like a sister or even a close cousin i think it is it is something that you could again find the opening to mention something either you start a conversation with them like and, and dance around it and see what they say because they might also just feel like they they don't know what to do and feel comfortable to just say something um, you could. I have people who call me directly and ask me sometimes, um, you know, what to say, and I, and I guide them in that specific situation, you know, because every situation is different. Um, but again, I would still look for that opening. I would feel more inclined if it was family to be comfortable enough to say something where they won't get upset. But it really depends on the situation. It really does. And you really also have to use your judgment in terms of it being so severe that you need to say something or something that, you know, they're the parent and, and you know, step away. But it, it depends. Like I said, when blood work is involved and you know the child, in fact, is unhealthy, well, I mean, that's... it's more critical to step in. Right.
0: I right, thank you very much, Mrs. Warren, for uh, for joining us today. And uh, people should look for your book, which is called, again, Real...
1: Living a Real Life with Real Food.
0: Living a Real Life with Real Food, Beth Warren. And if you want to get in touch with you, the best is to go to Beth Warren. Nutrition. That's W A R R E N. Beth Warren Nutrition. dot com. Uh, and if they want to call you, want to give a number. Yes,
1: yeah, three four seven two nine two one seven two five.
0: One more time, please.
1: Three four seven two nine two one seven two five.
0: So thank you very much for joining me, and I wish you a katsiva, a katsiva toiva, and a good good bench to your, we say, but you're a so you say, le rabos. Rabos, I should say. <laughs> I got to get my svadi pronunciation up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. right? Okay, okay. Okay, thank you very much for joining okay. us. And until thank next God. week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Cassius Magazine. if you want to reach us during the week, we, our number is 718 336 8544. Thank you very much.